It's an outswinger, and it's a beauty! Oh my gosh, what a goal! Matt Mahoney! Perfect header in the 16th minute! Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Aristocrat Soccer Podcast. I am alone host today. We have Dave Harris is out doing whatever he does for his job, and Marion Cole is making workout videos on Instagram. So it's just me and the guest, and our guest is Matt Mahoney, who recently signed with the Colorado Springs Switchbacks. So welcome to the podcast, Matt. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So what brought about this move? We were just talking off camera to Colorado, and obviously the elevation there is tough. You just recently got there for preseason. So what brought this move about for you? Yeah, so um, so being in SAC the last two years, uh, my uh, my contract was up, so they didn't pick, they didn't offer me a new contract. Um, so I kind of got lucky. My coach out here now, uh, Brendan Burke, was my coach in Philly my first two years. So when he got the job out here, um, he called me up and he's like, "We want you out here." And it happened honestly pretty quick. Uh, there weren't many other options at the time um, for me, so I was actually really fortunate that he called, uh, and I was and I jumped on it really quick. Um, and yeah, that's kind of happened within a week. And I got out here two weeks ago, getting acclimated, getting ready for preseason in a couple of weeks and ready to go. How's the squad shaping up? Are you excited? I mean, I've seen a few of your signings. I know Steve, I'm going to mess it up. Steve Echeverria, Echeverria. I'm going to mess up his last name, but we, we trained with him this off season. Uh, but are you, how are things looking? Um, have you spoken yeah, I mean, about whether uh, you're going to be kind of yeah, a center back I, or right back? Yeah, uh, honestly, I'm not sure. It could be could be either at, at this point. Uh, I know we signed a, a couple of center backs as well as, as an outside back here already just for depth, but but I think it's looking good. Yeah, uh, I know Brendan, he brought in, I want to say probably like at least 10 guys uh, since he's since he signed and done a couple of trades and things like that. Um, and I know Colorado in the past couple of years, I think last year only had two wins. So he, he got in, he tried to get into work right away to try to bring his guys in and kind of change the culture of what the club is and and things like that so it's definitely looking up uh and especially with the 32 game seasons here it'll be hard to to only have two wins so <laughs> hopefully it can it can only go better from here but yeah I'm, I'm super excited uh steve's my roommate he's in the other room so he's probably hearing me now but uh yeah i mean honestly it's not it's not too bad so far uh no he messed up my he heard my pronunciation errors uh but what what is uh we'll have to get him on at the end of the episode steve's a great guy as well um but so this new stadium that the club is building, have they said when it'll be ready exactly? But because it looks sweet. Yeah. So the, the 360 video they put out is sweet. Um, in terms of when we're getting in, I think March 1st is when the turf will be completely laid down and we'll be able to actually train on there. So since we're starting February 18th, small group, we're going to have to kind of find somewhere to train. I don't know exactly where that'll be yet. Uh, but then once we get in March 1st, uh, since with COVID and all the protocols, we're not really going to be able to use the indoor stuff yet in like the locker rooms, I'm pretty sure. And I'm not sure if they're done yet, but hopefully by like April and things when, when hopefully COVID starts to loosen up a little bit, we'll be able to get in there. But yeah, it's, it's going to be looking sweet. Hopefully when fans come back in, you know, and hopefully we're doing well performing winning games, we'll actually be able to have, you know, a good, you know, crowd, which would be sweet. Yeah. I mean, I, I looked at those stadium renderings and a lot of these new ones, I don't know if you saw the one USL Rhode Island is really, really yeah. cool which I think Rhode Island's championship, I believe, when in a yeah. couple of years they come in. The stadium renderings, they look awesome. And it's so great to see like these soccer-specific stadiums at a size that we could fill out in USL, whether championship or League One. And yeah. I think it's really helped the sport grow in, in this country. So I'm jealous. I'm not going to lie. I mean, <laughs> Madison has a great has a great setup as well. But yeah. you guys are – it's a brand-new 8,000, I think you said it was. So yeah. it should be great. I'm looking forward to watching games this year from you. Um, but – I guess one thing that we'll just touch on since it's kind of the sign of the times uh, there's so much going on in terms of small group training or individual gym sessions. And it happens for us as athletes in these winter months anyway, but it seems like the off season is just seven months now. Um, So what do you do specifically in this time where you don't have a team to train with every day? Uh, So what's going into your training? Yeah, so we'll we'll jump back to when I was back in New York. We'll talk about our net league, your little background we got going on there. Yes, so yes. For those that, before for those that don't know, and Scotty if, and Corby and Dylan, if they're listening, uh, the YouTube viewers, uh, the, the background is our net training facility, which your brothers work at, your mom works at, we train <laughs> yeah. at every day. It's it's a great setup. But go on. No, but exactly. So now, I mean, how many years have we been doing this? We were talking about it right before I left. I must. I was in college still, so I must have been eighteen or nineteen. And you're what five years older than me, so it was early when you were still playing in Ireland. We started yeah. training there the first time. 
the first time yeah the first time <laughs> um and then yeah so that's this off season has been been really different i mean when we're in there we're going to train like we're actually very fortunate that we're able to go in there but it's uh masks up all the time i mean we've got we got yelled at you know even when we we weren't even the ones causing problems just for you know making sure we have our masks on um but yeah actually i was actually fortunate this year because being where we were like having access to the gym so i was still able to do all my stuff being able to go train with you guys it was perfect the one thing lacking though was like the pickup you know being able to go somewhere and and you know play with other pros uh that's been the one thing lacking but it's been lacking for everybody so i i think you know everyone will kind of be on the same playing field when the season comes around and that's why i'm very fortunate to be out here now training with some of the guys on the team and get going just kind of get ready to get back into like a routine and kind of normal training yeah the, the pickup we over the years we did get like some 3v3s but we never got like a five aside and that is the one thing that really meant you miss well, because we know why because the net the net charges us over six people <laughs> <laughs> we actually don't tell them but today we had i think it was nine people and i thought for sure really? we were getting kicked off uh we had nine people was watching this right now he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna cut it off next time he actually was in there and we waited to start until he kind of left. It was, it was yeah. a little funny. We were trying to, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, these sessions are great. Um, but I think, I think so much of that we build in the off season is the gym work. And I know you're big into that. And I, I think it, it's difficult for me as a player, it's difficult to kind of keep it going throughout the season. So I really need that good base. And if I have an off season where I'm not doing enough gym work, I really struggle throughout the season. So yeah, how sure. do you, kind of balance that you don't want to get too buff and too big but then also you want to maintain throughout the season how do you do that uh so honestly it's tough as well because I go like it happens a lot as well because the season is nine months and now especially with the shorter season we're still trying to get a lot of games in so I'm not sure how that's going to work but I still try to get in twice a week but like I like doing like the squatting and and, and deadlifting things like that which you're able to do in the off season and kind of tax your body a little more that you don't get to do too much in season, but I'm similar to you. Like I like doing that in the off season to kind of build up lost muscle um, and just like gain like work capacity and just fitness like that. Uh, and then try to maintain best throughout the season. But you're right. It's tough. I mean, we put a lot of miles on our legs playing two, three games a week. Um, and kind of the stigma with us soccer players anyways, is that, I mean, it's, I think it's changing a little now, but in terms of not liking to lift, like just kind of running things like that, uh, the importance I think of strength training is, is emerging a little bit. But yeah, I, I'll be honest, it is tough um, if you're playing two, three games a week to, to maintain. Yeah, the toughest part for me is, especially when it's in the heat, and I'll lose like six, seven, eight pounds in a yeah. game. And yeah, you have to drink a lot and, and get your fluids, get your nutrition after. But I find that from whatever, March when we normally start, and from to October, I lose like five, six pounds. And I, I still, like, I've been playing fucking forever. Yeah, and, I still, and I still can't Over like figure out the 30 curve. <laughs> <laughs> the over 30 club yeah i still can't figure out exactly how to do it like i try to do protein shakes and uh but you see a lot of guys like sometimes will like they'll try to take creatine because it's more of like yeah. keep the weight on but it, it isn't a difficult thing for us and that's a lot of times what teams do is they try to test or at least smart teams they try to test your strength your yeah. fitness both at the beginning of the year for your initial fitness and then also towards the end because yeah. it, it is I, for, well, here's a question that i would have and I've just kind of just thought of this. Um, if you had your ideal training layout for for uh, for a week, most yeah. teams you'll train five times. You'll have a Sunday off, and you'll play on a Saturday. If you don't have a three week, three day, uh, three game week, yeah. What would those five sessions look like for you in terms of gym work and on on the field work? Yeah. So honestly, uh, so if we're playing like a Saturday, for example, we just played. I I prefer like going in the next day, just getting like a regen session on Sunday off Monday. And then I'd, I'd still like to lift twice a week. I know we actually, um, when I played in Philly, we had a good kind of routine of this because we were able to use the union's uh, facilities and things like that. And SAC, SAC, we tried lifting twice a week, but it wasn't as uh, as consistent. Uh, but I would do like like full body exercises like Tuesday, Thursday, and then Saturday. So Tuesday would be like more strength-based, like a little harder. Um, and then like Wednesday would be the hardest day on the field, but no lifting. And then Thursday kind of just explosive, like quick stuff, full, uh, full body still. And then you get that Friday, like easy session before the game and then Saturday go. That's what I would ideally like. But obviously that's impossible when you throw in a Wednesday game, then that kind of throws it off. And then you're not lifting for a week. So when you lift again, you're sore again. And there's kind of no winning. So it's tough. It is. Would you say, do you think you would benefit if instead of being on the pitch five times, we were only on the pitch three times or four times, maybe? 
or no? Honestly, no. I, I would prefer to be be on the field. And I think I think the most important part, anyways, is if people are able to stay healthy and stay fit for ninety minutes, then if they're able to get by without the gym stuff, then at the end of the day, I mean, the most important part is to be able to play, right? The gym stuff kind of just helps you prevent injury and and last throughout the season. But if you don't have a problem with that and you're able to stay stay kind of in shape, I'd rather be on the field five times a week with the ball, just even if it's technical, that's just me. And, and I'm like a gym rat, you know, like I like doing yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah. I know you are. You got that perfect gym form with every exercise. I'm, I'm a little jealous, but the, I mean, the reason why I asked that is we've had a, this conversation at Greenville last season and we had a lot of older guys and we'd get a lot of days off, like mm -hmm. pitch days off guys would be in the gym doing whatever they wanted. Like we had a good strength and conditioning coach, but I found, and what we incorporated well was um, days where we weren't doing like contact training we were doing only like pattern to pattern uh, yeah. play, passing drills, crossing, finishing, things like that. And yeah. I felt like it kind of saved our bodies towards the end. Whereas other teams that I've been on, like Tuesday, you're doing small sided hard. Wednesday, you said like is the toughest section of the week. Thursday, you're going into your tactics, but still 11 v 11. Friday, yeah. you're still doing like, and every day is combative training. And for me, maybe it's because I'm older, but I think if I only had two or three days of like tough training and then I did two days of, easier training it I think my body would no, I, adapt I, I better agree. I think it, I think you need to find a good balance between making sure you're staying fit throughout the week especially for guys that are not playing and then mm -hmm. being able to rest everybody else but make sure they're getting touches so they're still sharp for the weekend it's a tough balance so I'm glad yeah. I'm not really the coaches that have to go through that <laughs> every week yeah I, I have no interest in trying to make a, a training schedule for a squad because you're like you said the point you bring out about not playing which I mean, everybody has been in, in to some degree, whether it's on the bench or not. But when you're not playing, you're like, give me a good session. I want to do 11 v 11 even. And then the guys, can't yeah, that. and half the team is like, no, I don't want to do that. I've yeah. just played 90 minutes on the weekend. Um, but let's let's transition a bit into this past couple of years at Sacramento, mm -hmm. which is a, such a big club in the USL championship. For those who aren't aware, it's probably one of the bigger ones. Uh, your MLS is coming 2023, 22, 22. Yeah, two more years. Yeah, so – what was it like to play for a big club like that? And how did you find you've, you had a decent number of appearances, but how did you find that balance between uh, I'm playing three games in a row and then the next week I'm not playing and how, how did that affect your game? Yeah. So, so going back to 2019, it was definitely a big leap in my pro career in terms of um, fan base, like going against other guys that rolled it because obviously you have to steal my first two years. You get like the MLS guys that come down, um, but it's also, you get a lot of academy guys coming up. So your trainings are more often than not with younger guys and you have, it's not a full team. It's not a full squad. Like we had like 12 guys signed, I'm pretty sure for, yeah. for the Bethlehem when I was there, but then going to a full team where you've got guys that have played at higher levels. Like we had, we had a guy that played, uh, Deco Kenyon played in the prem in his prime. Other guys that came from like Europe, uh, played in world cups in 2010, things like that. Um, so it was just a very kind of different pace uh like the play the play was the play it was fine like that but just kind of managing especially when I went in my first year I didn't play a game until my 10th game I don't think it was um and that was just that was just like coach issues and things like that with myself but but that I mean, like it happens to everybody's career um but then I went for a, a good little run um and then changing coaches for 2020 but obviously COVID kind of screwed that up but but honestly it was it was probably the best move I could have had in terms of going somewhere in the USL because I got to see kind of both ends going from no fans to like SAC was fantastic. The fan base we got, I think my first game there was over like 10,000 fans. Um, you know, the stuff they do in the community, uh, how the team looks after you. Like it's, it's obviously one of the best in the USL. So I'm very grateful that I got to, you know, experience that for two years. Uh, and it definitely has taught me a lot in, in my pro career. Yeah. I think it's, every, it's something every player needs to do at, at some point is going to one of these big clubs where there's so much attention on it. And I, I, like, I think of like an Indy 11 in the NASL, I think of Phoenix, I think of Tampa Bay. And I think it really changes your perspective on us soccer because like yeah. when you're with Steel or a smaller club, I don't want to mention any names and, and around USL that don't get as many fans. You, you don't really feel like a professional. You feel like, oh, yeah, I get paid, but no one cares what I do. Um, exactly. It's great that you had that experience. Uh, what were some things any specific moments that really stand out to you uh, in a good way uh, from your time in Sacramento? Yeah. So uh, I finally got in a good run. Uh, we played New Mexico. I want to say 2019, it was in like the first week of June. Uh, I scored my first goal in that game for SAC, which was nice. And then we were playing San Jose in open cup on the Wednesday. Um, and it was just like, that was my first time kind of, kind of playing 
obviously like I played against MLS guys when we were with, with you need to now you need to old Bethlehem steel, but it was different kind of in an open cup setting, you know, San Jose stadium is amazing uh, to play on perfect field. Like I was playing against like Wondolowski, like leading goal scorer in the MLS. So it was just like an unreal experience. Um, Cause I've my, I myself, like I came from college four years, kind of like you went to college. I didn't go overseas. So I've been playing the USL now going my fifth year. Uh, so to be able to do that and compete. And I think we lost the game three, two, we were up two one. Um, and to get that experience was, was like a really just amazing moment in my career to be able to say that, Oh, I competed well against MLS guys and was able to like hold my own, yeah. which most people you know never get the opportunity. So it was cool. Yeah. It's, it's always great experience to see those like premier league MLS national team players and getting to taste. And so from your experience against, I know it's only one experience with the earthquakes, mm -hmm. but what do you think the biggest differences between USL championship and MLS would be then in terms so it's of like a, a little bit of speed of play, but honestly, there's a lot of guys in the USL. I think technically that could do it compared to guys in the MLS, but like their, their brains and how they, they work. I feel like that's always the difference between like the levels. There's always technical guys, but in terms of, just like how smart they are, where they are on the field, like how quick they play one and two touch. Uh, I think that's like a huge difference. I mean, we were chasing the ball. Obviously we didn't have a lot of possession for most of the game kind of countering. So you see how quick the game actually is and how like up, like upstairs, they're kind of knowing where they're playing the ball before it gets to them and all the things like you try to learn and, and teach yourself when, when you're young to be able to experience that was very like eye opening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th I think it's such a, one of my favorite experiences was playing, both against Burnley and against Stoke. And all, I guess we also Newcastle was those kind of Premier League games. It was always, it wasn't a full, it was a first team, but it was like a mix of guys who weren't playing, guys coming off injury. Yeah. And it's just like, you're like, holy crap, these guys are so good. But then at the end of the game, the score was like, we lost to Burnley 2-1, we lost to Stoke. Yeah. Four, I think four, Stoke was 4 nothing, and then um, Newcastle was 2-0. Two, two uh, but you walk off and you're like, wait a minute. Yes, like we, they are unbelievable yeah. players, but you're like, if we didn't make this, we didn't switch off here, or if they didn't stick one in the top corner there, like we're even with them and we can, we can definitely compete. So I, I think it's something that you, as a player, you, you had drawn those experiences and then you go back to your training, kind of what we were talking about in the off season. You're like, all right, this Wondolowski's movement here. Hey, I don't know, whatever specific thing, maybe he makes a really good first movement to the, to the first post. I have to be more switched on to that and it really improves your game. Uh, but do you have any specific example of something Wondolowski did? We'll get Wondolowski since you were your defender. Uh, no, honestly, honestly, exactly what you said. Like he, obviously he's, he's towards the end of his career. He's not super athletic anymore. Like not making big runs behind, but like in the box, like that's how he made his career, like making those quick little movements in. So you always need to know, like as a center back, where he is and where he's going. And if you turn off and don't know where he is for one second, I mean, he's already put the ball like in the back of the goal. So he's like, he's not going to be with pace. Like honestly, the way San Jose obviously plays its style of soccer that nobody else in the U S does in terms of how they defend and things like that. But like going forward, he, you know, he could be not in the game, not touch the ball for 20 minutes. And then, <clears throat> and then like inside the six, he taps one in and <laughs> goal. Yeah. Win, nothing, yeah. you know? He's so a pure poacher. A prime example. Poacher. Yeah. A typical yeah, yeah. yeah. So Pick, kind of going off topic a little bit, but when you were at Sac Sacramento, you had a little an Instagram or YouTube series called Tasty Tuesday. Uh, I, I would be remiss not to mention this. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. So I, I was lucky enough every week I had it scheduled. I'd be like, all right, Mahoney and his roommates have Tasty Tuesday coming. Let's see what we got. It's like chocolate covered pancakes oh, or whatever. Good. You guys would make the most ridiculous meals. So first question is, I guess introduce your roommates. Yeah. Uh, I, I know what they are, but introduce them to the guests. And also, what was your favorite kind of dish that you served? And how did you guys come up with this idea? Yeah. How did the club come up with the idea? So I'll give my shout outs to the Stanford boys, Drew Scondrich and Sam Warner for, uh, <laughs> for joining me in the Tasty Tuesdays. Honestly, so when COVID hit, we played our first game and then uh, obviously we stopped. We couldn't do anything. And that, like, that was like the height of the fear and everything so we, we we didn't leave our apartment at all I mean you know you know what it's like the whole country does like and so, so things got super weird I mean three guys hanging out in an apartment <laughs> like what do you expect so uh, actually someone from the club uh brought something up like we could do like some funny videos or something like that and I want to say so Drew's a big baker Drew likes baking a lot so I want to say either he thought of the idea or somebody brought it up and you know Drew is kind of the pioneer of it and so one day like we sat down and, <laughs> and we literally just, we made our desserts and 
the, in the beginning, like they were, they were kind of mature, like normal conversations we'd have. We would write them at the end, but then like each week we wanted to spice it up. And like, we were wearing just ridiculous like outfits and things like that. Um, so it was honestly, it was honestly very fun. Uh, like not, I'm not going to lie. Uh, not best for the soccer diet, but that's all right. Uh, in terms of best, best one. Oh my God. I'm not even sure that's possible. I know Drew who's a big fan of, um, it was a uh, chocolate chip banana bread. That was delicious. Uh, but anything like anything peanut buttery or chocolate that we made along the way was just, I mean, my favorite. Fantastic. <laughs> I, I love some peanut butter and chocolate, but uh, it, it's it great that you guys made the most of a kind of shitty situation uh, for everyone. And a lot of people around the country were stuck at their home and, open, and if they're alone and you're just going stir crazy, but it was good. You guys had roommates or you had room, two roommates that you, you got on well with um what is it like for you you've now you're on your third club you're only 25 years old but you're on your third club and this will be your what fifth season right season yeah. yeah this coming season will be your fifth uh so what is it like for you with the relationship that you made along the way and like how do you do you keep those relationships or is it more like all right I'm in Colorado next year I'm gonna make I'm gonna be friends with Stevie and this guy and I'm not gonna talk to Drew anymore or I'm not gonna talk to James Chambers anymore back in Bethlehem or how how, how is it for you yeah. I mean every, every player is different I've heard many different perspectives on it yeah. so it's honestly it's funny you say that because well, well first off I'll give a shout out to James Chambers I don't know if this is knowledge yet but he'll be he'll be out here in Colorado uh, as an assistant coach, it should be announced soon. So we'll keep that breaking you know. news on the aristocrats podcast, but, uh, <laughs> but it's coming out soon. But, uh, yeah, honestly, that was probably the, one of the toughest parts about leaving Sacramento. I, I was very fortunate the two years there, um, whatever happened on the field was on the field, but the guys off the field were amazing. I've got some friendships there that hopefully I'll have, um, forever and saying bye to some of them, knowing I won't see them every day, uh, kind of sucks. And I'm, I'm sure you've, you've had similar you know, interaction with guys over in Ireland, like how often are you going to see, see them? Um, and like, for me, I mean, Sacramento's across the country, like how often am I going to go there? And with the way the USL split up now, like the odds of me seeing any of them are, are very, very thin. So yeah, uh, it is what it is. Like obviously with social media, you're able to stay in contact with them and things like that. But in terms of ma like making new friends, it is, like it is what it is. Now, a lot of these guys I'm fortunate already to know or played against on Colorado. So it's kind of been a smooth transition uh, coaching staff I know so so now sad to call myself kind of a USL vet a little bit <laughs> get it get into the USL veteran stage but it's just it's just part of the game um, and unfortunate that it happens but you just gotta kind of make new friends and go from there yeah I, I do find it I, I find it it's a tough situation but it's also a great situation because if you're just a 25 year old moving to Colorado you probably have no built-in friends yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're lucky enough to have 23 or how many hours on the roster that you maybe you're not gonna be friends with all of them, of course, but you have 23 guys that you can be like, Hey, you want to grab a coffee? Hey, you want to go for a hike? And exactly. three or four will say yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a lot easier for us in that regard, but it's also tough because you meet all these great people. And then you're like, well, I'm, I'm just going to follow your life on Instagram for, for yeah. now until I'm oh, 95. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's definitely an interesting life that we live. Uh, I'll say that. Yeah. Um, but what is something uh, from Sacramento that you took off the field, completely off the field, not related to players that you, as a New Yorker, you were like, wow, California does it right. Does it right. Uh, <laughs> or wrong or wrong. No, right or wrong. Uh, well, obviously California is very different from what New York is, but I'll, I'll be honest and say I'm probably in the one, I was in the one spot in California that was kind of most like the East coast. Like it wasn't uh, down South where they've got the palm trees and the beaches uh, it wasn't San Francisco where it's a very kind of just like liberal hippie type of area, I guess. Uh, Sacramento had your, your hippies out there, but honestly, uh, one thing is kind of like open, open-mindedness, I guess. Uh, it's a different, different vibe out in California. You know, the East coast has this bad rep for being fast paced, rude people, you know, whatever kind of goes along with New York where we're from. Um, and I met a lot of nice people out in Sacramento that, uh, very open-minded different perspectives and that might just be because it was my first experience moving far like far away from the east coast um but i just honestly say that just like open-mindedness uh different perspective on on life and how things are a little slow pace like enjoy nature big nature thing like hiking um and stuff like that i, I became like you know it, it was enjoyable to do um but yeah that's not, that was probably the biggest one for me yeah sadly this past year we had no choice we had to go on hikes whether you like hiking or not that's you had to you gotta you can bake and hike uh but it, it, I, I, it, I, in the usl contracts i'm pretty sure 
things like you can do, man, like go to the grocery store, hike. <laughs> Those are the let's, actually, let's actually touch on that because this is a hilarious topic um, for people who don't know. Uh, but when they redid after COVID, we had to sign like an amended, I forgot what it was called exactly, but it was basically like an amended contract yeah. where they said all the things we were outlined to be able to do and all the things, anything that wasn't on this list, we were not allowed to do. So the hiking, the hiking was one. You were allowed to go on walks, haircuts, and haircuts. haircuts. You were allowed to go to the grocery store. You were allowed. It was it was very like basic, basic things, like things that weren't on there. That you're like, are you kidding me? Like fishing was was not on there. Guys were like, at at Greenville, we have a couple guys who love fishing, and our strength and conditioning coach loved fishing. And he's like, this is at the beginning when everybody was like, let's follow all the rules to a T. We were like, can we go fishing? And like, we literally asked the the general managers like can we go fishing and coaching wasn't like a lot of the guys do like yeah, small coach one-on-one. we weren't allowed to coach but then we went to the gm and they were like no you guys can like come on <laughs> we, 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 get- we weren't even allowed to they told us in, in sack we had it very strict for example we and I, I don't know this is what you had the case but we for example had the apartment complex like most teams do where you have a couple of different apartments with guys living there so we we weren't even supposed to go to another apartment in the same complex where other guys were living but like, again, we think it's funny because then you go to training and you're training on the field with them. And yeah, you're trying to stay far apart, but realistically you're doing set pieces. Uh, like you're going to have a conversations, you're two feet away from each other anyways. So the rules are a bit silly <laughs> at some points, but, but I, I get, like, I get what you're saying. Like, okay, you can go for a hike, but can we fish? Like where, you know, where's the line, where's the line drawn? <laughs> yeah. And, and in Greenville, we basically were told common sense. Uh, that's kind of what we were that was the, the verdict. It was like, yeah. let's use some common sense, but like, don't go out to the club. Don't exactly. uh, go to crowded restaurants. But if you want, and you, you want to go eat somewhere and there's no one around it or it's outside, you can do that. Or if you want to coach and, and, and whatever. Um, but I think it was very different team by team and also state by state. Cause like yeah. in Greenville, you yeah. can go to some gyms and not even wear a mask. Whereas in California, you can't even like drive in your car oh, without a mask. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. So it's, so it's just, it, it's it's a different world, and and it's it's tough because it, if it's around the country. The rules are so different in Florida, where you have twenty two thousand people for the Super Bowl, yeah, and then in California, where you're not allowed to go to a gym, really. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it's an interesting time for everyone, and it was also an interesting time for us um, as players because we're used to. Yeah, we have playing. We have to focus on that, but we need some way to kind of take our mind off things. Exactly. And this year, you weren't really able. If things aren't going well, you funny because you really, you really found yourself in what you were kind of interested in and what you did in like your spare time. Because you go to training. I mean, with the heat in, in Sacramento, it was sometimes like 105, 110 during the days. So we were up training at like 7 a.m. So we get home 9, 10 in the morning. Like, what are we gonna do the rest of the day? <laughs> so that, that's where it's fortunate you got roommates. Um, and we were like, we'd go play basketball and like that uh, in the apartment complex and things like that. But in terms of, I couldn't even imagine other guys in the country as well that you were either living by themselves and didn't have people to talk to. Um, so I really feel for like the self-isolation and cause I know I was going crazy with two guys to live with for people that are by themselves is unimaginable. Yeah. One thing that we were offered in Greenville, which was, I thought was really good was uh, like either therapy, like a regular therapist or sports therapist. Yeah. And I think that, if, if guys want to utilize that, I didn't personally, but if they want to, and they're in kind of a dark place, uh, then that's, yeah. I think everyone around the guy, like therapy isn't like a bad thing. I don't think no. if you, it's really just, it's just having a conversation with someone that you trust that is, is licensed and you trust. It's the same thing as having a really good conversation with a friend. I, I like, I find as a player, if I have a really bad game, if I just talk about the game with someone like a teammate, if we were on the same team and we just yeah. have a conversation, I'm the next morning I'm like, that wasn't as bad as I thought. That's the thing is never... like more often not you over exaggerate in the beginning. And then once you kind of hear it out loud, you're like, all right, maybe it wasn't so bad. You know, well, I didn't need to over exaggerate like that, but I definitely get what you're saying. Yeah. Just had to change the lighting there for the, for the YouTube viewers. It's getting a little dark. I was like, I thought it was going to be light out the whole time, but uh, <laughs> so they can see my beautiful face. But uh, so let's transition again and we'll go. Uh, one of the great things about, playing is experiencing all these different teammates and all these different places and all these new things um so what was your first stop like in Bethlehem and it was you you walk us back even to how you kind of started um I I know that you went to I think it was like an open tryout or an invite tryout with the steel for for preseason for the steel yeah yeah yeah. so So how how did that come about yeah so I was lucky and and unlucky in in the in the respect that uh Temple was never on the map in terms of soccer. 
Um, they're doing a little better now, but uh, we never made the NCAA tournament. We competed, but we never won the conference. We never <laughs> were anything like that. So getting drafted was going to be tough. I didn't have huge stats. Like in my senior year, I played like outside mid or something like that because I needed me to kind of how college works. Um, so I got fortunate that I, I knew the, the assistant. Uh, I actually did an internship with the union when I to complete school. I had to. So I had like a little in there where they were able to get me just to, to go into preseason and and obviously you know, I perform well enough and kudos to Brandon now, my, my current coach as well, uh, for kind of giving me the opportunity. And and then my first pro game, uh, I don't even think I was rostered for it uh, for the first couple because that was when, like, I want to say, like, a, it was a whole roster of union players that came down um, in 2017. And then I didn't make my first – my debut was in Toronto in TFC Stadium, actually. Uh, came in with, like, 10 minutes to go. Uh, I had left back <laughs> and we ended up winning the game one, nothing. And then the kid that uh, there was a right back that was playing from the unit down this all season. Uh, he either, I forget exactly why he was either injured or had a knock. Our next game was at Cincinnati, uh, which was obviously, which before they came into the MLS, they were getting 20 plus thousand fans a game. So my first pro start was I want it May 11th, May 11th, 2017 uh, in front of like 25,000 plus uh, at Cincinnati. And, it was, I mean, it was an amazing game. We, we ended up losing 2-1, but uh, that was where I kind of convinced myself and the, and the coaches that I was able to play um, in the USL. So that was on. I mean, I'll never forget that experience. And then I think I only started four games my first year because then the kid came back uh, whatnot. But then obviously uh, had a fantastic second year, played, I think, like 35 games uh, and whatnot. Uh, so that was, that was my still career, and it got me over to Sacramento. Uh, and I know I'm kind of just going through my career, and I don't even remember what the question was that you asked initially. But, but uh, um, no, carry carry on. Uh, but that's I mean, it's good insight for the people to have because yeah. if I didn't introduce your steel career well enough, because you're a person that you, the first year you didn't play a lot, you had a few opportunities, yeah. you got a taste, and then this, an MLS two team for the most part, if you don't play a lot or if they don't think you have a potential with the MLS team they're going to release you after that first season. So you're, I mean, you've, you were obviously someone that Brendan rated very highly for him to bring you back for the second year. Um, yeah. Especially being at that time, you were 22, which for them is old, which old. it's crazy to me, but it's, it's considered old in that kind of MLS two yeah, realm. Totally. So, yeah. so that, I mean, that second year when you played 35 games, you scored your first professional goal, you score, you had a lot of success. Um, what is something that you changed from about your game from the first year to the second that you really learned from those older guys from Brendan? Yeah. So, so I think the, the most, my development in terms of soccer and most I've developed was from my first year to my second year with through, through my second year, because I think, and, and honestly, I'll give James Chambers a big shout out again. He was obviously our older leader um, at the steel and he taught me a ton about the duration of, professional season the intensity like he, he was he was playing with everyone I, I was one of the older guys on the team and the other college kids and he was what is he? he's probably six seven eight years older than me I think he's 32 now maybe so he's uh he was playing with a bunch of young guys and to be able to show up and bring that intensity every day I was like wow like I want to like I want to be like this um and so so I mean a shout out to like the Philly as well for the Philly style in terms of you know grit like fight for everything so I tried to bring that as well to to my game um and then when I started playing my second year, it was just like, and obviously I had to transition, transition to center back. They had another right back that came down. Uh, so fortunately I was able to go to center back and still be able to play. Um, but like the biggest, the biggest thing I think I learned was uh, one, how mentally draining a season can be in, in professional sports. Like, like it was 35 games and the body was tired by the end of the season, but also how enjoyable it was to, to know like week in and week out to be able to start and play. Um, and do something that most people don't get to enjoy. Uh, but in terms of on the field, it was just like speed of play and, you know, dealing with like more athletic guys than you in the pros. Cause obviously the USL being athletic is half the battle. I mean, it's not always the most technical guys, but these, there's some crazy athletes in the league. So being able to deal with them as a smaller center back, I'm only 5'11", uh, on top of, you know, being able to play and build out and things like that. But it, it was a huge growth year in terms of learning, to be to like sustain along like a full season um and things like that so I'm, I'm definitely very grateful that i got that under my belt and that's probably part of the reason i got to go to sec i'm i'm not i don't want to call out your parents here because i love your parents we've done many <laughs> co-ed tournaments together i've played with your whole family 
Yeah. But did they had never did have they never taught you if you're five eleven then you always t- say you're six foot or are you just too honest? Nah, they never taught me that. I mean, my mom's five one, <laughs> so she's <laughs> my mom's five one. I think my dad's five nine or ten. But I should, you know, I should. I got to get on my all my my stats and stuff or whatever on online. It's five eleven. I got to get that six foot in there. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't even have to be true. No one's no one's checking. Like if you no. look up me on um, Wikipedia or whatever. They don't even have my birthday right, and I'm I'm like seven months younger online than I am in real life, so I'm still 29. There you just, go. Hey, <laughs> just, just saying, I'm still 29. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 great uh, that you had someone like James Chambers, someone that I played against in Ireland when he was at St. Pat's. He actually beat me in a cup final yeah. with St. Pat's, and I was with Galway. Is probably yeah. the second day of my career, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but he, I mean, he's a great guy. Everybody in Ireland really respected him. And I, and I know he did really well over here in the U S. Um, but now that you're kind of getting to be older, not quite at that level, but what is something that you're going to tell a, a first year player at Colorado in terms of the long, the, the length of the season, how mentally draining it is, what is something you're going to tell them that you did and yeah help them uh, honestly i was like i was fortunate as well I, li- I lived with my sister for the two years in philly one that kept me financially stable so help, shout out to the sister we know how some usl contrast can be in your first couple of years <laughs> but uh for all of your years but yeah, for yeah. all of all of your years yeah <laughs> but especially with two contracts uh they could be brutal but uh honestly like i was able to get away and i have a couple nieces and nephews that got my mind off of, like off of soccer so we talked about like during the pandemic last year uh, being able to kind of escape and not always be thinking about soccer, which there was no really outlet. So for guys, obviously, I know it's tough now, but you need to find ways to refresh your refresh yourself. And whether that's a couple of days off where the, uh, the coach gives you, we're able to go somewhere, like enjoy nature if you like doing that, or like obviously like hang with friends or family, things like that. Uh, that's definitely something you should do because it is nine months is a long time, you know, and it, but it goes by quickly. Um but the ups and the downs of a season are something like I've, I've never experienced before. You could be on your highest scoring one game, and then a week later you could be at the lowest part because you, you know, conceded a goal and you're not going to play the next game or something. So it's definitely just being like find these little things that work for you that help you kind of refresh, like, your mentality. Um, and just, like, you need to show up and be able to play every day. You need to – I know people like going to bed late and dealing and stuff like that, but you got to get in a good routine. That's super important for longevity, like going to bed early, proper nutrition, you know, all the – all the kind of corny stuff that people talk about actually like actually matters as you're getting older. Yeah. Especially as you're getting over older, I'll yeah. vouch for that. I feel like when I was younger, I could, I didn't know as much, but I also could get away with a lot more. Um, sure. But I, I think we spoke about it this off season. You were like, uh, I feel my lifts now more like my yeah. body is actually sore a couple of days after. Whereas when you're 22, you do the same lift and you train the next afternoon and you'd be fine. So yeah. it definitely plays uh, a huge role in that as well. Uh, but I, I would say as USL players, I think there's always something we're not world-class players. So we're not like the, the even an MLS player. Right. And there's always things that we lack that does that not that we lack, but we don't get to the next level because of that. And I think the point you're bringing up is so good about getting away from the game and yeah. kind of balancing not because I find we have guys that obsess about the game and are in the gym 24 seven, they're training 24 seven, they're doing all the extra work. And then you have guys good, that are just good and bad, but exactly, which is, and yeah. then you have guys that are laid back and it's just like, Oh, I'll show up to training whenever like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to call out like maybe Island people, like just different, different <laughs> yeah. mentalities that people have. Whereas kind of New Yorkers were like, all right, let's get to the gym five days a week, do this, that, and that. And it's yeah. finding that balance, I think is so important um, yeah. for a player development. Uh, I agree. I, I, I think, I think you, I think you've got it. I think these next couple of years for you, your, your career is just going to take off. That's what I'm seeing. And yeah. then, uh, <laughs> I mean, I get, sure hope so. You got the magic eight ball over there. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah, I sure hope so, man. Dave normally has the magic eight ball, but he's not here today. So we'll have to, uh, I'll vouch for him. I was telling you, I was looking forward to having the conversation with Dave. <laughs> Entertaining guy to say the least. Love that guy. He, he, he normally comes out with some really good questions uh, that I, he doesn't even tell me beforehand. He's like, oh, that's, that's a great question. Uh, but yeah. let's, let's talk. We'll, we'll kind of bring it all back together. And we're all, we're both from the Hudson Valley, New York. Yep. And we, we trained in the off season. You, I'm five years older than you, so we didn't really play growing up. But I'm gonna quiz you. Do you remember? Oh boy. There was a famous game that we played in together. Uh, famous game in my career, anyway. But it might not have been famous in yours. Uh, it was with the Jersey Express. Yeah. It was in 2013. Do you remember Ooh. the game? 
I, uh, I, I want to say I do remember the game, but it was against an Israeli opponent, maybe or something. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't, I can't remember who it was or what it was for, but I remember I was, cause I was in college and that was, uh, I think Cesar Markovich was the coach at the time. And obviously Golly was there. Golly has been there forever. Obviously, I mean, they're not even a team anymore, unfortunately, Jersey Express, but, uh, no, I don't remember who, who it was it against. The, t- the team was Maccabi Haifa. And it's actually uh, funny. My dad is actually walking into the room. And the only reason why I know you were playing is there, I scored a goal in that game and yeah. you, and he's like, he was talking to your dad. They were sitting next to each other. Uh, and he's like, and I guess you weren't on the field at that time. And I, and on the audio is, Oh, it's a good thing. Matt wasn't in. Cause he would have covered Jake better than that. And I've like, I've seen the goal. Cause like on my old highlight videos and stuff. I, w- I want to say you might've played for both teams in that game. Or I played for uh, the Israeli team. Because they, need, they needed numbers, right? Yeah. Now yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it was like, I, cause I had been playing with the express uh, before that. And then I went, I, I showed up that night and they were like me and another guy, Noah Sadawi, yeah. um, who both had played for the express. We showed up, we thought we were going to play for the express. And then it was like, Oh, you're you're actually in the other dressing room. You're with Maccabi Haifa. I'm like, all right. And then we're just playing against our own teammates. But it was it was a fun night. It was yeah. it was definitely it, it's one of those experiences that we've kind of talked about before, though, where you're playing yeah. against top players against or like a really big club. You know, and, you know what I completely I'll say I completely forgot about that because that is they're they're obviously the best team, not one of the top two in Israel. So that kind of that was back when I was young. I must have been 17, 18, kind of like the underappreciation of that big moment. Uh and how I guess that was another eye-opening experience in my career. Like, holy crap. Like it was, I was a boy and these were men that I was playing against. So it was a huge, huge transition. And that's why it's insane to watch guys that are overseas that are 16, 17, 18, that are going and playing in the best leagues. Um, it's yeah, yeah, it's unreal. Did you ever, when you were at New York Red Bull as a kid, did you get experiences with the first team or with the USL team or were you, were you just at the youth level? No, uh, it, for me, before I left, or I left, I got cut and went to Gachi when the 16s, uh, we, we didn't do much with the first team. But that was when, like, the obviously Tyler Adams is a couple years younger than me, when he was starting to transition up. That's when the USL team became, like, a more pronounced and kind of like the league in general. But, no, I never did. Yeah, but, but growing up in that academy definitely kind of – it teaches you the way – like, Tyler, I mean, Tyler Adams was in the academy from age 10. So it, it teaches yeah. you a professional mindset that a lot of players, me in particular, even me, like I grew up and I played a good, for a good youth team, but I was never yeah. in that academy kind of setup. And it's something that I've, we've talked about on the podcast, actually, Dave and I, is like in America, unless you're with these MLS academies, you don't have that moment where you're either with a first team coach or getting yeah. the first chance to play with the, train with the first team, which you didn't quite get, but it's, it's still, it's such a big eye of the experience. And I think part of the problem with our development in the U S is in England that happens at 16 or 15 or even 14 sometimes. And in the U S your first experience was 22. And my first experience was probably 22, 23 or whenever it was five years earlier, the type of growth that you could have in those years, it it, it maybe be much, probably much better players to be honest. But it's just like how the how the system is. Now you see less guys going to college and going through that, which I think I'm a huge advocate of going to college as well if you think maybe you'll end up in the USL check because it made me grow as a person a lot and develop, you know, maturely <laughs> as a person um, and things like that. But obviously it's not for everyone. If you're a world-class talent or in the even in the U.S. at 16, you should be trying to, and, that, and like that's your goal, you should be trying to get to an MLS team and, and develop. But it's definitely a different track than what they do overseas as well as I know Zlatan talked about a little bit in terms of the cost uh, for a lot of younger players to get into. Now, I feel like a lot of academies are free now, but in terms of uh, underprivileged locations, being able to get to those training sessions or be seen is a huge problem because there's probably, I mean, there are tons of talent in the U.S. that don't get seen that, you know, if they had the right coaching, right, you know, people watching them, that would probably be world-class players, you know? So it's just a difference in what's going on overseas. Yeah, and I think a part of that, part of the issue is soccer is such a pay-to-play sport, whereas yeah. basketball, especially, it's, and football, yeah. you don't really need that development early on because you don't really need to play until you're 14, whereas basketball, there's just a playground, you play pickup, whereas it's not yeah. as much in the U.S. There are places and there's, there's cities um, that, that allow that, but it's just, it's not enough, and I think that's what we need. We need more, like, of the pickup, and then 
yes, the, the pay to play is also an issue, but if you can just get players passionate about the game and learning, cause like in Brazil, they're like, they're not they getting play, coached they play anywhere. By, yeah, yeah. They're not getting coached by Pep no. Guardiola or yeah. Jose Marie. No. They're, it's just that they, they're playing barefoot. They're, they're just enjoying their game. They're learning. And that's the biggest thing when, like when I'm coaching little younger kids, I'm like, the parents are like, what drill can we do to make them better? And I'm like, just gotta play yeah <laughs> just go play that's what they think now and obviously there's a huge a huge market for training kids and parents pay a ton of money but half the time if they if the kid just loved it and they went out and just got touches played with friends they'll get more out of that than they would in maybe like a 30 40 an hour minute session with us because you don't need drills you just got to touch the ball a ton like for us we did I, we didn't have personal trainers growing up and we were fine you know it's like this is obviously a very novel thing where people want their kids to be the best and so getting a trainer is completely fine you know, it does help the kid, but more often than not, if they just want to go get touches, <laughs> I feel like that's equally, you know, beneficial than getting yeah. a trainer. Yeah, I, I think a, a trainer has a place in, in from the standpoint of you need to learn certain exercises, mm-hmm. but, and I don't want to kind of cut out the market because I'm in the market. It's like, I do coach kids. I love doing, I love doing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think if you kind of have these exercises and then you, well, as soon as you learn them, you can do them on your own and yeah. coach can help wall, a little. Wall. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a tough thing because I, I love doing it. I think it, I think I like to help the kids. I like to work with the kids. And I think a big thing with those personal training, especially for like the high school age, it's the networking of the personal trainer. So like mm-hmm. if it's you or if it's me, like we obviously have connections, you know, people at Temple, I know people at Binghamton and then we know people on the professional level. So if the kid is good, like yeah. if, for instance, I'm training high school kids now and there's one kid yeah. who I really yeah. like, and I've yeah. spoken to Tommy Moon, the assistant at Binghamton about it, about him. Yeah. And there's, that's where the kind of connection comes in and, and it can really be beneficial. But when you're 10 years old, way later than, if, than, you know, yeah. where 10 years, 10 years ago when they're five, six years old, you know, that doesn't matter. Like stuff like that. It's just being able to, to get touches. Yeah. But, I, I, I mean, there is, there's a balance. There's both, but I just, I want to see the U S be better. And I want to see the college game improve because I, I'm the same as you. I love the college game. I love the high school game too. That's a big thing for me. And you did it what one year two years you didn't play all four years three years actually freshman you, just, you, just mi- you just missed your your last year yeah okay so but for me the high school experience was awesome like we were really good like people went to the games at john jay people didn't really go to school you scored a yeah. thousand goals so that probably yeah. helped <laughs> yeah I scored a thousand goals uh, uh you're welcome site um but i mean I, we i went to jay and, and you went to catch him and at that time Ketchum was we were in the same school district but Ketchum was poor and John Jay was very good so my experience is very different probably than even if you played all four years um but now with the academies coming in like and you're not allowed to play high school soccer you have to pick one or the other and I'm like wait a minute like can't you just make it work but then at the same time you look at if you want to develop like a Pulisic or like a Tyler Adams which is the the one not even the one percent the point zero 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 one percent the college, the high school game doesn't help it. The college game is it doesn't help it because you're only really allowed to play three months of the year and the oh, rest you're limited. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see from your perspective going to Temple. I mean, Temple and Binghamton were kind of similar schools, mid-major, pretty good, but not amazing. Yeah. What is something you would change about the, the college kind of atmosphere, the training, the setup? What would you do? I mean, that's a where to where to start to be honest. Uh, but obviously, like I, I am, I'm an advocate for obviously length. I know the discussions of lengthening this season to the spring, and I know actually they're playing the spring seasons now because of COVID. So it's it's proof that they could probably make it work if they elongated the season. But like I think now looking back now, how much time I lost getting touches on a ball in the spring season because we spent you spend more time in the gym. So for, for example, my I want to say my sophomore junior year. Um, we were at 6 a.m. lifts every morning, uh, lift for an hour. And then afternoon sessions, we'd have maybe like conditioning, but we were only touch, able to touch the ball two, three times a week. So we're like, it's equivalent in terms of we're touching the soccer ball three times a week. And then on top of that, lifting three times a week. So you're dead. So you're not doing anything on the weekends, but it's not like you're, you're training for an hour. So you don't get to work on any weaknesses. You're in there, you're, you're playing pickup because you just want to play. It's fun. Um, so the amount of like learning and being able to develop your game it's just, it's almost impossible because you're not able to get on facilities then when you want. So the only way you're able to train is if you go off of like school campus and find a park maybe to train in, <laughs> which in Philly in a city, I mean, impossible. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> and so like you can't get on any of the facilities because other teams are on them. 
So you only have your hour to train, so you can't work on anything. So how are you supposed to develop to be a better player? So that's why it's, it's you know, if you end up out of college as a professional player, I mean, it's amazing because of all the time you actually lost. <laughs> and then if you're not playing in the summer, like in a PDL, for example, then that's even more time lost. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of like, I'm thankful for PDL in the summer because they were actually better than my Temple team because that helped me develop even more. But not everybody does that. And it's just a lot of time lost. Yeah, I, I could not agree more with the, all of that. I think the biggest crime is the spring season. I think it's – I, I don't want to kind of shit on the NCAA too much because, who knows, <laughs> I might have a job in the NCAA one day. Yeah. Uh, but what the spring season is for college soccer players is a joke. Uh, yeah. Between – even if you're at a school like Binghamton, like I know Temple's in the city. Binghamton, we could go to local parks. I mean, we could yeah. train on our field on our own pretty much the whole spring as long as we just worked it out with lacrosse because we don't have a football team. Yeah. Uh but the fact that they limit us up until like March to two hours on the field. Yeah. And then after March, it's like, I think it's like eight or what it's a small number yeah. and it's not enough. And it's just so against two or three games. Like it's, you know, it's not it's, beneficial for those that want to pursue soccer after, you know, uh, absolutely not. I, I think there's a place for it. And I think it, it was, it was a good experience for me, but if I didn't play PDL in the summer, there's no chance I'd be a professional player. I 100% agree. And I, like, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and change anything. Like I loved going to college. It was a fantastic four years. Uh, but in terms of <laughs> soccer development, it definitely could have been more beneficial, you know, if the structure were a little different. Yeah. The one, the, the latest guest we had on or two guests ago, I went in, when this post was Jeff Cameron, he, one of the things he kind of regrets about his career, not regrets, but he wonders, he's like, what if I came over to England at, 16 or 18 yeah. where would i mean he's had a fantastic career he's played, he's played like i saw your thing like third or fourth most in the prem in games yeah, second, and like second most for outfield yeah. players and his question even him and he came over when he was i want to say 25 something like that his question is where would i be if yeah. i came over at 18 and it's it speaks a lot to the, to the yeah. system in the u.s uh but i guess we can go on this tangent forever if you guys want to stop by gold's Jim lagrange the net training facility we can have a long talk about it next off season uh scotty will have his input i'm sure too uh but before we kind of close out i have a one final question for you and then we'll do a little kind of joke question so one final real question then we'll i'll throw some jokes at you we'll we'll get a good laugh uh so the final question is like where do you see your career going what are your goals for the next five ten however many years you want to play um do you have goals in your mind you want to go abroad eventually um just what what do you got so they're very they're very broad and, and not very you know to the point but like i've t- i think for myself now and seeing how the game is in terms of going over to europe that's all like I, I, that'd be fantastic but seeing how i'm 25 now and you know i'm not 16 17 18 to be able to go over there and play in a great league uh and, and obviously make good money uh, it would be very tough but obviously I, I think it's a lot of soccer there's a lot of politics involved and it's a lot of who you know um, and getting getting opportunities. So obviously, I'm still like I'm getting to the prime of my career. Making it to the MLS would be, I think, like the pinnacle for me right now. Would be something fantastic, um, which I think is achievable. It obviously takes hard work. But like I said, there's a lot of guys in the USL that have had great stats that haven't gotten chances in the MLS. Um, and I think there's a lot of there could be a lot of interchange in terms of like the middle half of players in the in the MLS to the better half in the USL could definitely swap a little bit. Um, and I'm not sure that. MLS and USL does great at giving opportunities um, to these players in the USL maybe, but I mean, that, that's off on a tangent, but like my, my goal would be to make it in the MLS. And that's obviously a goal that I'm going to strive for, but I'm, I'm just, I honestly, as I get older now, uh, I've had moments in the past two years that were tough playing and I'm focusing on enjoying it a lot as well. I want to make sure I'm enjoying my playing because obviously, you know, it's a thing that not many people get to do. So living in the moment, being able to, you know, continue to enjoy it. That's obviously the biggest part. We're not doing it for the money in the USL. Otherwise <laughs> we wouldn't be playing. So I still do it cause I love it. And so I want to make sure that that stays there. Even if I don't make it to the MLS. Yeah. One thing I was actually thinking about, I'm a, I'm a little bit older than you, but one thing I was thinking about recently was like, someone asked how many more years are you going to play? And I was like, the answer can be anywhere from one to yes. six. Or, and for you, it can I, be one, one. You'll be playing till your legs fall off. And, you well, know, I'll, tr- I'll try. But, yeah. but the same for you. Like, if, I mean, it, it won't happen. But theoretically, if you have a shit year this year, you yeah. very well could be done. Just because of how the USL is and how contracts are and things are, your players are in and out all the time. Yeah. And it's it's such an unstable business. But um, I'll, I'll be brutally honest. There are some places in the USL, and this is, I mean, 
I don't, I don't want to shit on the league, but there are some places where you would not want to play, not just because not location I'm talking about, but how players get treated all around in terms of looked at, looked after the places they put you up into living. I mean, some places aren't, aren't worth it. So you really, if it gets to that point where we like, we have our degrees where we could pursue something else, you know, kind of make that next stage. Like you said, it could be next year. It could be 10 years. <laughs> you really yeah. don't know. Yeah. We'll be playing for the Hudson Valley hammers in no time. <laughs> yeah, Tyler Adams gives us these million dollar contracts. <laughs> yeah, at least a, at least a Nike deal or something. <laughs> uh, but what is what's what is something you're gonna do? Al, you're looking to do after after you finish playing. So, you know? I mean, isn't that the question for for everybody? No, but as uh, I was a kinesiology major at Temple, so I, obviously we've talked about I love lifting weights, love exercise, things like that. So something something along those lines in terms of I, I think I do love the game like staying involved in the game um I think being able to help uh younger players in terms of like teenagers getting into college helping them develop physically you know mentally like that in in soccer as well uh, could be something huge so honestly maybe something like the net not a, not necessarily like the net but some sort of facility for training players as well as training them physically uh it's all very tentative though. Like with the league where you're bouncing from place to place every two years, you know, it's not very beneficial to, to be able to start something up or try to. So we'll see. Hopefully I've got a lot more years before I need to figure it out. If we're in the same place, let's collaborate. Cause I would like to do something like that too. I'd like to have like a, a yeah. kitchen, uh, a gym area, not like a normal yeah. gym, but like a gym area for serious athletes, like, a, like yeah, the elite exactly. in that, which is like sled pushes and things like that. Um, and then have a have a field well, indoor exactly because like we we know the two of us like we're not nine to nine to five people for example so I'm not going to go get a desk job some people are and that's completely fine but I'm too jittery like I, I can't I couldn't do it I just mentally couldn't do it so I need I'll need to be active doing something that's you know moving around yeah yeah I'm, I'm the same way let's let's start a business we'll call let's it a uh, <laughs> aristocrat M- MJ or uh, MJ MJ we'll call it MJ, uh, MJ. <laughs> there you go I'm, I'm in <laughs> Uh, but so to finish off, we're just going to have a couple questions for you just for the boys. Um, so at the net training, uh, yeah. we, we didn't train as much this year cause of COVID and cause you left early. Um, but we're going to say the, the three big outside of ourselves, the five group is you, me, uh, Scott Zobre, who I played with at Binghamton, uh, Mike Corby, who, uh, he's played overseas in Sweden and in Germany. He's gotten, he's won the league in Sweden and in Germany, lower leagues, but he's done very well. And then Dylan Williams, who's now in the regional league in Germany, which is the fourth year, which is a very good level. So just to introduce the three other guys. So not, you know, we're not going to count ourselves in this, yeah. but when we do one-on-one drills as a defender, Scotty, Dylan, and Mike Corby are all attacking players. Yeah. Rate them one to three. Who do you least want to face? The so one being the least or one being the easiest? Uh, we'll say one will be the guy you absolutely don't want to go against. <laughs> all right. Uh <laughs> You know what? Uh, I'll, no, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll go Dylan. Dylan is very a very shifty player. Um, and then I'll go Corby. And I got to put Scotty last. Because Scotty, you never know, though. Because Scotty's the king of – he'll dribble at you, he'll kick the ball off your shins, it'll hit shins, and he'll be past you. That is Scotty's uh, move to a T. And Scotty is – we'll give Scotty some due here. He's an absolute legend. He's like 32. He, pay, he plays for Kingston Stockade in the NPSL, but – they haven't had a season in like two years. Like he's just doing it for the fun of it. And he, he holds his own with us. So he's, he's an absolute, he's an absolute legend. He brings the music. Good banter as well. Yeah. He brings the banter, but I mean, I I think we take so much pride in that group. Like that's the main five, but like we've had college, tons of college players. We've had Kyle Murphy was there. who's in Tampa Bay. We've had Tyler Adams there. We've had David and uh, Cabal who both on the Maris. We had Maris kids. Like, yeah. we've had a really good group over the years we, we even had a couple division one women's players yeah so we, we I like we take such pride in that off-season training and i think it really helps us all uh kind of build and improve and then eventually when the season comes around uh really have success for sure but uh we'll have to we'll have to reacquaint sometime hopefully uh hopefully soon hopefully next year without masks uh yeah <laughs> i don't cool. know i don't know if i can train with masks anymore i'm sorry no. Definitely, neither, man. It's brutal. <laughs> I just can't do it. But thank you, Matt, so much for coming on. Do you have any last words? Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to share with our loyal viewers? Do you want to say anything to Dave for not or Marion for not showing up for your podcast? Because it's poor form, if you ask me. It is, it is poor form. I mean, they were probably there for Jeff Cameron's. Were they not? Dave was there. Marion, Marion just doesn't come to any. Episode. Okay, right. <laughs> she's so she's Dave, only there for the. 
Variant's only here for our looks, I guess. So. <laughs> no, just thanks for thanks for hopping on. I know we're boys for a long time, so I appreciate this. Uh, yeah, that's it, man. Thank you. All right, follow Matt. We'll get Matt's uh, Instagram. We normally do it on the YouTube. We'll get we'll share his Instagram. Follow him. He has a lot of followers. Big following. What do you have? Like nine thousand, something like that. No, 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 not not nine thousand. Eight thousand. I got the no, no, no. It's, it's been declined. I've got I've got a blue check though. That's that's all that matters, right? All right, well the blue check, we'll do a check. Okay, he doesn't have nine thousand. I was way off. Sorry, uh, but thanks so much, Matt. It's great catching up. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll chat throughout the season as we always do. But best of luck in Colorado. Tell Brendan. Um, would have loved to join you too, but uh, no hard feelings. Uh, but until next time, everyone, I'm the athlete, the advocate, and the analyst are not here. Um, until next time, I'm the athlete, and we and we are the aristocrats. I couldn't even say it properly. <laughs>